0: Welcome to another edition of Blast Points Presents, and this time we are honored, as always, to present to you a conversation with our friend and the Bruce Kulik of Blast Points, Tom Spina, and this time he's talking to the great Judy Elkins. And Judy is probably best known to Star Wars fans as being part of the legendary Return of the Jedi Creature Shop, and designing classic aliens such as Yak Face, Yuzum... Which, of course, uh, Regal Robot Archive Collection is now uh, gifting the world with the Yak Face maquette, uh, which is now available. And uh, make sure if that's something uh, that you want, which why wouldn't you, uh, visit RegalRobot.com because they're probably going to go fast. That maquette is unbelievable. The hair is out of this world. The expression on Yak Face's face. <laughs> you you know how much we like. Things with hair you can touch and comb, and that, yeah, Yak Face is bringing the fuzz. Yeah, so Judy also worked on the incredibly underrated and iconic animation for Poltergeist, Rares of the Lost Ark, Wrath of Khan, all of our favorite stuff. She has an amazing story, which you're about to hear, of surviving and thriving, coming out of art school, which is something we know a little bit about. And I, I love... <laughs> Her talking in this kind of approaching her creature designs from more of an animation perspective, which I think that's something when we talked to Tom about uh, the creature designers of Return of the Jedi, that's something we talked about with Judy. And it's just great to hear her just openly talking about that. Like, yeah, Yuzum looks like something out of the droids cartoon. You know, they, her stuff just looks animated. Yeah, but enough of us talking about it. Let's listen to this really, really fun chat with Tom and the wonderful Judy Elkins.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I am here today with great Judy Elkins. Who is above me right now? She'll probably be next to me when this thing gets recorded. I never know how the technology of this works, but I'm just so happy that we could use this technology to get together and talk about making monsters. So, Judy, welcome. Thank you.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I, I really uh, like what your your uh, shop does. I think it's really wonderful to all uh, the uh, furniture and then uh, reproductions. <laughs> it's just really exciting well, we're we're lucky to have the work of people
1: like you to inspire us to do this weird stuff. And um I think, you know, we just hope to carry the torch just a little bit, you know, and and keep uh, fun monsters and weird furniture alive. <laughs> um, so, uh, we're here because we're working on stuff with you with Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But you've had a pretty long and varied career. and uh, it's interesting to me that, Monster Maker is sprinkled throughout quite a number of other uh, titles. Uh, Can you give us just kind of a brief uh, kind of career overview, where you started, where you went?
2: Well, uh, uh, I want to start back at school. I was an art major in college, and uh, I was training to be an art teacher. And so I really just took whatever classes interested me, because the more you different things you could do, the more you could bring to, you know, to being a teacher. And uh, I co- my concentration was pretty much sculpture and life drawing and uh, figurative work, you know, the people, humans. Uh, and I studied with a wonderful teacher named uh, Charles Umloff at the University of Texas. And uh, if you ever go to Austin, there's the Aust- the uh, Umlof Sculpture Garden is a really uh, interesting place to visit with his work there. And he taught uh, a lot of anatomy and he was like, they used to call him Mr. Academy. But he was, it was very academic and um, uh, traditional, um, uh, really stressed anatomy and uh, and in life drawing the, just the, the you know, the, the techniques, which I think when you're a student, that's really what you need to be working
1: on. Yeah. And
2: so I had about three years. I spent about three years with him. So that's and, and I think sculpture was probably my um, strongest concentration, sculpture and drawing. I uh, did a little painting and ceramics and all those other other things. Um, and uh, I got out of school and well, actually one summer, um, I guess it was after my second year of school, um, I was in Houston and I took a film class at uh, uh, the Rice University Media Center. And um, it was a super eight, but we had a three-day uh, seminar with animation, with the animation stand with the Oxberry. And uh, and I just became really intrigued with that and the whole animation process because it, it involved um, yeah, I loved um, art and photography and music and I thought, oh, this combines everything. So um, I really was really intrigued with it. Went back to the University of Texas for the for the fall. And uh, lo and behold, they were offering an animation class for the first time. So I dropped glass blowing and took uh, <laughs> an animation. And uh, it was kind of the this was uh, being being Texas and not you know located in Los Angeles. It was really not. The uh, character animation—it was more things you could do with the camera, uh, 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 cutouts, uh, you know, other painting under the, you know, media, uh, multimedia under the camera, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and you know. Sorry to interrupt, but like oh. it brings to mind the stuff, the experimental stuff Jim Henson was doing for Sesame Street, probably at a similar time oh, in the yeah. 70s into the 80s. Mm-hmm, he was doing mm-hmm. a lot of that paper cutout stuff. animations, yeah. yeah, it was like sort of oh. stop motion, sort of mm-hmm. traditional animation and and just, you know, pushing boundaries of what could be at the time. Right. Yeah. Outside yeah. of L.A., you still <laughs> you manage.
2: Well, the, the, that was a, yeah, that was a, uh, um, uh, yeah that, that character animation too i did try give it a try but i really didn't have the talent for that it wasn't and it really is it's kind of magic it's a magical thing that people can draw a character and make it walk and talk and look like the same character all the way through right, that, every picture plus, the same. <laughs> i i can't i can't do that so yeah, uh, so funny. anyway so, <laughs> so so uh um let's see so uh uh then i I got, uh, as I was teaching, the good thing about teaching, I I graduated and got a a job in teaching junior high art, uh, which is another whole story. But in the evenings, I could take uh, continuing education classes and in the summers also at um, Rice University Media Center. So I continued to take some more of the animation classes. And uh, as an art teacher, I would show my kids educational films and I thought, well, I could make make something like that. And Willem de Kooning was one of my favorite artists,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I uh, made this uh, sort of um, educational film about his work, with photographing his paintings, taking the animation camera and kind of zooming and moving through his paintings, and and, and then also imitating his paintings by drawing on glass with um, with oil pastels. So it kind of, they would kind of come to life, wow. and uh, uh, and and then uh, one little gag I did um, was kind of fun. Um, I there was one of his his painting drawings where he drew women sitting in chairs, and so there was a, a photograph of him sitting in a chair, and then there was a woman in a chair of his drawing, and so I copied the photograph into pencil, and um, um, and then. Uh, ran the camera, the film for, back, forwards and worked backwards. So I slowly erased that drawing and replaced it with- Revealed. With that looked like the woman in the chair, kind of imitated his woman in the chair. So when you ran it forward, there was a, a drawing of the woman and then she kind of, you know- it Melts um, away and uh, reveals- Yeah, it becomes, yeah, it becomes de Kooning in the chair. So I thought that was kind of, you know- a little Yeah. A So it was fun. Yeah. So, so um uh anyway, so uh um th- this will come into play a little bit later as to how I get hired I don't know. yeah <laughs> that's, okay. that's why I'm telling the story. Uh so let's see. So uh taught school for three years, uh junior high art, you can imagine. And uh I'd had about enough, enough of that after <laughs> after three years.
1: After three weeks you had enough, but you kept after doing years, it for a few more years. After, after, yeah. That's enough, right.
2: And uh so uh, um so I uh I wanted to um uh, really do the film and photography work professionally rather than as a hobby, mm-hmm. and in Houston. So I, in Houston, what they have really is things like film labs and places that did slides and film strips, and and this was in the, the late 1970s. And so I um, managed to get a job at a place where I could do some artwork, and then they taught me how to sh- how to do the slides and process the color film. And uh, do all the uh, you know a lot of it. It sounds really. It's, it was not automatic back then. There's a lot of color timing involved and a lot of. Oh yeah. uh, Really is it really is optical printing? You're you're re- reproducing the slides onto a film strip that hopefully all the the uh, exposures and colors will look you know look uniform when you get finished.
1: Right.
2: So um, and, um, so I did that in a couple of places and, um, uh, let's see. Um then I decided that that was about, uh, about all there was in Houston. And I wanted to move out to Los Angeles and about this time, uh, Empire Strikes Back had come out. And when Star Wars first came out, uh, I thought it was really fun. It was just a really fun movie, but, and I, I, you know, I kind of, I could, I knew that the, 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 um, uh, uh, Lightsabers were animated and I knew a little bit about model work, but I didn't really know, really grasp what I was looking at. By the time Empire came out though, I had done enough uh, optical work that I really was just absolutely blown away by the compositing white on white. And uh, just the the things the optical department were doing. So um, um, what we had to, for learning uh, materials was the American cinematographer, magazine. So I got, I uh, got that. And I just, you know, I read and reread that thing uh, so many times trying to figure out, you know, to understand what all they were doing and, and learn more about it. And that, that's, I think, part the one that really made me decide I really had to move out to Los Angeles and, and work in the, the business and, and try to. Yeah. So, um, so that's, um, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, so that's a huge, that's a huge
1: move, right? Um, yeah. And this is a time where, uh, like, I, I try to I try to get across to people now how different. I mean, I even go back to to me. I'm probably you know ten years behind you into getting into my career. Like, you're the early '80s. I'm I'm in school through the '80s, and I've like early '90s is when I'm starting things up. And even in the '90s, though, it's like if you needed to make a move, you needed a paper map. You had to. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you know, call on the phone to try and find, like you were going, you know, fairly blind as opposed to now where it's like, you'd be on the internet, you'd know where you're going, your car would tell you how to get there, you'd already have a place lined up to stay. Like, you know, that's a huge move. Is this a scary time for you? Is this an exciting time for you?
2: Uh, It was more exciting. because I was really, I just was really, I was very bored and unhappy in Houston. And uh, and, uh, it was just, uh, I just felt like I, you know, I, I didn't want that to be my whole life, you know, doing that. Right. I had one friend that had moved out to California. And so I had a place to land. He had, a, he had a, a, an empty room. So I uh, nice. stayed out there for a while. I put my most of my furniture in storage in case things didn't work out so I could, you know, could come back. But I just loaded yeah. up to put in my car. And I had a friend that, at work that was also moving out there. So I had uh, someone to, to ride with. And we just drove. Actually, we drove straight through uh, and dropped him off in uh, in Long Beach where he was staying. And then I went on up to where I was staying. Just on your own. And so I, yeah, and got the the yellow pages. So I had like six different yellow pages for Los Angeles, and I started just calling people and making making yeah. cold calls. And uh, um, to support myself, I worked in restaurants and um, and did temporary office work. Yeah. And um, and back then, you know, the minimum wage was three dollars and fifty cents an hour, and this was like forty. When you think this is forty years ago, yeah, where we're at now with that, you could actually kind of squeak by, you know, with with the minimum wage jobs and squeak, uh, but, but squeak huh. by, you know, but but yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know, yeah, so I, I um. Uh, you know, started sending out resumes, and uh, finally, eventually, sent one to Lucasfilm, and uh, um, and uh, Sid Gannis was kind enough to forward it up to um, to ILM. So um, I, and it turned out that they needed somebody for they needed roto, uh, someone for rotoscoping, and so rotoscoping you you run a camera and you draw, and so I had been doing those things for that's years, that was your years. yeah that's your thing and my thing yeah. So I uh, I went up, they you know, they they invited me up for an interview and I was just you know really thrilled. And I thought, well, I probably won't get the job, but I'll get a tour of the facility. Yeah. And I had, could see and I had my you know, my cinema, American cinematographer in a, a magazine. And I and I when I got up there, it was just I was so starstruck. I was like, oh my God, there's there's Richard Edlin, there's Bruce Nicholson, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> these guys yeah. were rock
1: stars to us though. Like they
2: were rock stars, yes, yes. yes. These people, are
1: people, I mean, technically they were more like the roadies like in the reality but to us they were the stars you know it's like yeah the movie's great oh yeah harrison ford whatever but like wait a minute is that dennis muren you know yes that's right. exactly
2: and and uh, you know, especially reading the cinematographer articles that uh the uh yeah they were interviewed and they were talking about the you know the of the, uh, the uh the equipment and how they did the, the work right. and everything and so anyway it turned then so they the uh the interview um oh it turns out the uh, department was being run by Dick Friesen, who was an animator. He uh, from uh, he was a uh, he had taught at Sheridan, Sheridan College in uh, Canada, so he was a teacher, and his favorite artist was Willem de Kooning. <laughs> and so I took my little de Kooning film, which I looked at, and I actually re- recently had it put on digital to preserve it, and it's so embarrassing; it's just really. <laughs> But it's mostly the sound and everything just it's just bad. But that's um, every
1: artist looking back at their work. <laughs> that's not just you.
2: <laughs> but I, I showed my little film, you know and and uh, and uh, and anyway, so so a week later, they had to they were interviewing other people, and so I had to wait a week and then they 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 called me and then said that they were hiring me. so i um right. and once again put everything in the car and went on up to, <laughs> yeah, so to now now
1: you're, there, there. there's your second move. This is, yeah. how long a period would you say this is? Is this like six months? of, of Four months, yeah. four months. Yeah. So you got months, there, yeah. and with four months, you're heading to Lucasfilm, who yeah. you looked That's, at. And I, I, so I know exactly. I know, I mean. it's,
2: it, it was mind-blowing. <laughs> okay. like I, I can't believe this is really happening. Yeah, so.
1: and, and, and like, but now you're taking all of that, and four months in, you're walking into ILM, Right. Be a rotoscope
2: artist. Right. In the animation department. And it really was, um, it was, uh, the people were very, you know, very welcoming and kind. And, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I knew had the basic skills, but there were a lot of specifics that I really had to learn. And, uh, but they were, you know, they showed me how to do it and it's not, you know, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't feel frightened because it, I wasn't, it wasn't, it was just a, an entry level position. It was low level, um, doing you know here here's a task do the task it's not there was no um uh it wasn't like running a department or anything like that yeah you were having to do it just just doing doing the work you know just doing the work and uh trying to get it get it get it correctly and and the optical department was very the the guys in the optical department were very friendly we we worked really closely with them Mm -hmm. and uh, they were very generous with explaining things and uh and uh and it was it was was just a really good experience there
1: so how long after you started did the the monster people come knocking well
2: well, i was originally hired for six months for raiders and dragon slayer and uh and so that was for the and that was going to end up wind up that was from december 1980 to june of 20 of, of 1981 and uh so about that time toward the end around in april or may i started um thinking you know what am i going to do next and i happened to hear that they were looking for some sculptors um for a, an unknown project and <laughs> so i approached uh, chris whaless and i think probably um a lot of people had approached chris whaless <laughs> because <laughs> oh hi i hear you're looking for sculptors and he kind of got took a step back he's, um possibly <laughs> right,
1: right why do you ask you
2: know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh so i showed him photos of my work and uh and he said do you know how to make molds i said yeah He said okay <laughs> and so uh he showed my photos to phil and apparently um um and then they, they did hire me they you know so okay well you will we'll hire you they what i found out later was they really wanted uh you know the uh rick bakers and the robot teams <laughs> Right. And, uh, but the, the budget wasn't there. Exactly. So yeah, but I, I, was, I was budget friendly. I'm
1: sorry. No, I was going to say, did you know, Chris, from the work? So a lot of the rotoscope work for Raiders, I, I always think of the end scene with the swirling ghosts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, that that was insane, Chris though. was doing the melting heads for that. Had your paths <laughs> crossed there at all?
2: I knew who he was. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Hadn't really talked to him before, so I, I introduced myself. I said I was from animation. But you him.
1: have like that. That like, hey, I'm already here. I've been. I just worked on the last movie you worked on. Like that's an instant. You know, you're not as cold oh. as your first calls now coming. Right. In. Yeah.
2: Right. It wasn't somebody off the street. Yeah. Right. So,
1: yeah. So. So prior to this, you were aware of you. You were a fan of Star Wars, or you not not like a crazy fan or anything, but you liked the movie. You liked Empire Strikes Back? You were impressed with what they had done. Um, mm-hmm. were, were these the kind of movies you were into at the time? Was there other stuff? Was there, you know, what, what were what were you pulling inspiration from? Uh in, in whether it was in the work you were doing or just in the desire to work in that industry?
2: Uh, um. Gosh, I think um, I remember seeing the movie uh, Alien, uh, the uh, um, the the Geiger movie, and uh, uh, and that was really impressive. Um, I think I really tend to watch more uh, live action type movies. I'm not really a monster. It wasn't really a monster movie person, although they were fun. I thought they were fun. It wasn't something that that I really wanted to go. Oh, uh, oh, I want to do that. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess I. Hmm. I guess uh, to me the, with the animation things I had been doing, it was really more of making art things that moved under the camera, just like mm. art that moves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but I, I guess I liked the live, live action movies. I did enjoy the star Wars though, cause they just had so much heart and were so much fun. Yeah. And, and I guess I think King Kong had come out about that time. Hadn't oh it? yeah. The uh,
1: the late seventies King Kong. Sure. Yeah.
2: King Kong. And, uh, so there was a, a quite a lot. Oh, I, Oh, I know what did inspire me. Yes. Um, the movie titles. I was very intrigued with with the movie titles. And people used to joke at joke tease me that because I would go to the movies to watch the titles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Gre- I thought Grease was fabulous, and the Grease titles were, were fabulous. <laughs> and Superman, and they had all this. This is when they started. Oh, the, the Superman streaming. stuff.
1: Yeah, movies. it was
2: amazing. And it's just like, whoa, how do they do that? Right. I, think I got. I was probably more interested in the graphics, and I did get into graphics later with motion control camera mm-hmm. and learned how they did the Superman. Right. Did. Yeah, yeah.
1: With the extended closure and
2: stuff. type. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so, so funny to
1: that you say that because it's. It's so weird to think about it now versus then because now it's like mm-hmm. anything happens on a title and you just go like, well, that was nice computer animation. And you're just done. Mm-hmm. Like That's just mm-hmm. you know, that's all it was. And that's it. And like back then, oh. like, you literally would look at it and go, how did that happen? Like what what magic just you know, came before my eyes? It was
2: animated. It grew. It wasn't like just a static model that right. they put. Like across this this grew
1: and yeah. uh, that was
2: like whoa how did they <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it was it, it really is there's an innocence of of that time that i kind of missed <laughs> um <laughs> you're now we're at the creature Shop. uh chris is uh recommended you phil has hired you phil is is uh phil tippett who is in charge of the creature shop for anyone watching who doesn't know what phil we're talking about um and the uh, Is the first thing that you're involved in the concept work and making maquettes at that point?
2: Yes, I guess so. And uh, we did uh, did quite a few, uh, we would send things over about every, I think it seems like it was on Fridays, they'd send a, a, a load over to George and he would, would pick things. And so we would make more. I was hired uh, just to do the background creatures, so I was not going to be working on anything that was articulated or moving. Phil did that, and then we had some other engineers, Tony Bay, and some others that uh, mm-hmm. that worked on the, the real complicated ones. So my my whoever whatever I made was going to be just sort of not moving, just a mask, basically a person with a mask and suit. And, yeah. and um, but I but I was for the maquettes though I was hand a lot of times I would be handed. Uh, a drawing, uh, from the art department from either Milo Rodas or, uh, Joe Johnston. Right. And, uh, and usually it was, uh, uh, multi multi-generational ge- xeroxes right so yeah. kind of some of them were really kind of hard to tell what was going on
1: with it with lets you mind. put your spin on things you
2: know i guess yeah yeah but, I really uh but that was kind of fun i did uh yeah the Yasm was was uh an, uh one of the maquettes i worked on uh, and then, uh, yeah
1: what's uh Yuz, Yasm? Yasm? Y- Yasm? Yasm? Yeah. he's the yeah. you know, furry guy the with the long legs let's go creature by creature a little bit um okay. but let's start with Yasm. so he's He's a favorite of mine. He looks a little bit. Um, he reminds me a little of like a Wallace and Gromit character or something like that. Hey, something like in mouth. Mouth. Yeah.
2: And the hands. I think the hands were kind
1: of. You know, yeah. Kind of but so so, so yeah, talk a little about him. Where did where did that come from?
2: That was a drawing, uh, and I really, to be honest, I really kind of didn't get the proportions right. It was supposed to have been about, they were supposed to have been seven feet tall and with a little, like a little ball of fur on long, long legs. And I qu- didn't quite get that with the, the model, uh, but uh, um, uh, but that was, you know, that was sent over and it did get approved. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I made the little gun thing. That was kind of fun. Oh, the, yeah. The model shop, the, uh, we, 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 uh, would go to the model shop a lot of times and get little greebles and things I was just going to
1: say you're raiding their greebly box and just
2: <laughs> you know, you know. So they, they showed me how to how to do those those things and uh yeah that just, that just sculpted him and uh put the fur on and it took a long time to put the fur on because I was kind of in there with the uh tweezers and and, yeah. glue and tweezers and cut, cutting the fur off of
1: oh probably gosh.
2: a fake fur yep. piece
1: and, yeah, it and it's it's funny. We saw him in the archives I, and I've you know, it's one of those ones I've known for years. And I've, I've always seen pictures of the maquette. And yeah. uh, it's it's interesting because the maquette, you're right. It's very different from the proportions of the um, uh, of that the sketch, but it's unique oh. in its own proportions. And then those proportions carried over when the full size one was made for the show. Um so right. you know, it, it really stayed true to your version of it which is kind of cool but I do I know that fur and we when we were in the archives I was in there with a, a fellow guy with a, a puppet history like myself and we both were like I know that fur like we immediately knew the brand we knew the length you know it's so like that's oh, it's a God. it's a it's one of these ones that we've come across a bunch of times he's super fun and here you have your fur elements you have the Greables and Grebly's on the gun and things like that, and he's got little. Sh- Does he have shoes
2: on the? Mechanic? Yeah, like, just he doesn't like some shoes, rough, just roughly sculpted and like, <laughs> like kind of like
1: handmade but, moccasins or something. Right, um, right. But but he's fun, and I I always I remember seeing him. There was a documentary called From Star Wars to Jedi: The Making of a Saga, and there's oh. a, a shot of someone taking the full size and literally like pegging him into a wall, not oh. moving. Your very background, but just. Fun. and and muppety in a good way um
2: God. i i did not make the full size that was i think dan howard i think made uh made the full size um. that would
1: make sense yeah he was involved in a lot of like the more fabricated full-size pieces mm-hmm. he wasn't he mm-hmm. didn't do as much mold and cast right he was more Correct. Uh, was i guess a lot of scott foam a lot of latex mm-hmm. skins layered over things and stuff you did your share of that too, though. We'll get to, oh, I'm sure, sure we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, let's talk about, speaking of Greeblies, how about the, the guy with that big head and oh, yeah. the, the kind of row of stuff going on back there?
2: The yellow guy, yeah. Yeah, um, the
1: yellow
2: guy. <laughs> I, I don't think he got chosen. I think he was a reject, but yeah. He's, uh, it was just something we just we we would make a lot of uh a lot of things and then take them out and they would send them over to, to George Lucas and he would uh pick and choose. But uh um that one was just one just like, hey, you know, uh, uh and I guess again for me the um uh, um figurative since I was used to figurative work, it's you know it has kind of the human, you know, human yeah,
1: uh, basic neck body, yeah, uh, and then just yeah. I was
2: thinking, well they, they could put prosthetics on a, a person and and some fake teeth and,
0: and uh, some <laughs> very big, uh, fake, teeth. Yes.
2: Yeah, big <laughs> fake teeth, yeah, big fake teeth, yeah, big fake teeth. That was kind of uh, that was kind of my idea for that guy, and then yeah, just the uh, the kind of the hair and the greebles just made it more interesting. He was uh, I just um, felt like he needed some hair.
1: I'm going to, you know, it's funny. I'm just realizing. So you talk about American Cinematography Magazine. So there's a Smithsonian magazine oh, here. Yeah. Oh. And look at this. You know, all these times oh, you're talking about, you know, uh, where is he? There he is. Talking yeah. about reading the magazines to to see the stuff. And then there's your guy right in the, right in the middle of this magazine cover. Oh. Um, is, that, also, is that a recent? Uh, oh, no. This is from 1990. We've got the Yuzum right oh. there as well. Oh, uh-huh. um, I, I So it's. You know, all all these uh all of this kind of comes around for, for at one point you're being inspired by the magazines, and then you know, later somebody else is buying this magazine being inspired by your work. The the yellow guy to me always had a very Ferengi look to him from Star Trek. So, yeah, yeah. But this is years before that, right? Like so. I, guess so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, it makes you wonder, did someone from Star Trek get a look at that guy and <laughs> wind up uh, uh bringing a little inspiration from you into the that that universe um let's talk a little about yak face <laughs> was that one that came from a sketch or was that something you just made up on
2: your own i just made him up uh and it was it was uh i just started pushing the sculpey around and uh um i want i kind of thought about different animals i just kind of pushed the pushed the clay around and sort of a snout you know here was a snout and uh a neck, and uh, and then I uh, just kind of like you were saying that sometimes it leads you, and and then sometimes yeah. you know, you lead it, you know. <laughs> it. So it was like preying. It's okay. Well, there's a good place for a mouth, and here's a good place for some eyes. And I kind of pinched up the nose and wrinkled it for um, uh, to make it look more uh, more alien or more less, less like a, you know, like he was starting to look like a camel and, and he's still kind of like a camel. And so I thought this will make him look less like a camel. And so I kind of pinched up the nose and then put some ears on. And, um, uh, and then, um, I guess we, you know, with the sculpting you know, you bake it in the, the oven and then you paint it. And so, uh, after that, I think he just really needed some hair and, uh, I just thought that would make him look more, more friendly. Um, I had, uh, there was a place in Berkeley that sold uh, different exotic animal hair. And I had gone over there uh, on on a weekend and picked up all kinds of, I think there was some yak hair and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if he had yak hair, but there was uh, yeah, di- ha- different hairs from different, different hmm. an- alpaca and, you know, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, so we had some, some interesting hairs to work with too for some, for the, the my cats. Yeah. That,
1: uh, I feel like yak hair would be really big. Scale on something that small—it's so cool and crazy. Yeah, I
2: guess. Yeah,
1: he has a friendly vibe about him. The hair definitely helps; it makes him literally a little fuzzy. He—he yeah. um, he definitely is a fast read. Um, you know, I'm—I'm I'm a sucker for a, a big chunky alien, something that that you look at and immediately can get a vibe off of him.
2: Right. I knew he would be a background character, and so if if you're in the background, you really kind of need big. Eye. I mean, you. You would want something with big eyes that you could recognize. Uh, this is a uh, a face, you know, rather yeah. than uh, you know something that had squinty eyes and yeah. you know uh, some
1: kind of dark mass just hidden yeah. in the shadows. You needed somebody bright and with big eyes so that as the camera panned, you'd see him.
2: Right, he would show up, and uh, um, so that's that's kind of how he came about. Uh, and uh, and then uh, then he got approved, and so then then we went into the uh, uh, the full full size.
1: Right. And at one point you would ask me, you know, how, how did we pick him? (laughs) Yak Face is, has a really interesting story. He, you know, the the old action figure in the eighties wasn't ever available in the United States. So as kids, we never even knew Yak Face as an action figure existed. You know, it became one of these very sought after figures. There's a mystique about him. And so- (laughs) You know, you you wound up designing a character who not only made it into the movie, but who also became a, a very sought after and and valuable old action figure. So that was part of what made him an easy choice, um, you know, and something that was a good way to bring you into the archive collection. It's really nice to have, have your work represented in it. And I think it's exciting for us to, um, you know, put that in with, with everybody else here where we've got, you know, Phil Tippett and Chris Wayless and Ken Ralston and Tony McVeigh all represented so far and now uh, Judy Elkins as well. So, um, so that's kind of (laughs) cool.
2: It is, it is. It's really, uh, I mean, it's something I never expected. So it's, it's, it is something, really exciting. And well, 40 years and 40 years too. I mean, uh, you know, I can barely remember it. And and just the, uh, you know, hearing back from other people, like people send me photos to sign and that kind of thing. And I thought, nice. wow, I'm so happy that the work that we did 40 years ago, uh, people are still enjoying. And that just kind of, I mean, you don't remember other things you did 40 years ago i mean no, nobody <laughs> remembers the, the rotoscope mats i did for writers of the <laughs> <laughs> right. <cares> about that <laughs> so this i guess this is because it is a thing it was it was a three-dimensional thing that uh uh that you can't hold in your hand and and the uh, character the, you this know? is in the world you know? yeah
1: yeah so. we've been going through this process of identifying all these old maquettes and figuring out who sculpted what. And I have to I have to take a moment and thank you just for all the help you've given us in that process. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it has been so fun exploring this stuff. We, you know, we've been going to the archives. We've been digitally laser scanning and high resolution capturing all of these things. We've been so lucky that we've had people like you. You have been so generous with your time, looking at all of these old pictures we send you, blurry shots, and hey, do you know what this is? Hey, do you know what that is? Do you know who did this? Um, we wouldn't be halfway where we are in terms of what we've identified and what we're able to do if it wasn't for you. Um, oh, so thank you for that. Um, we have one called the Toadstool Terror. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, it's not my favorite. <laughs> so It was another one of those where it was a multi-generational Xerox uh, I, I really couldn't tell what was going on. I, I had to have Phil explain what, what is, what is it? <laughs> what, is, what is it doing? And and he said, well, it was kind of like a toadstool with some eyes or something. And so it just kind of grew there, but I really, uh, yeah, I had a lot of trouble. I really struggled with that. I just, I just really couldn't visualize it in my head, what it was supposed to be and what it would look like in 3d. So I just kind of, uh, you know, did the best, I couldn't with it. Right. So I never really, yeah, I never really liked. It. I think it did get chosen though, because we did make full, it size, got um, full made. size.
1: Yeah, there's one or two shots of him in the movie. He's barely in there, but there's some good behind the scenes photos of him. Um, yeah,
2: we called the full size "Wonton Terror" because uh, oh. <laughs> it was uh, it was fabricated with uh, the black foam and covered with uh, rubber skin, and it looked kind of like a wonton or something. So <laughs> the, the wonton terror. <laughs>
1: I believe that's the that's the L two on the lunch special. Uh, you yes. got a lot of hair up here it comes with with fried rice and an egg roll. Um, yeah, I I think he's kind of neat. the The maquette is cool on him because it's chunky, it's big, um, hmm. it's got a lot of heft to it. There's a lot of sculpy in there. A- and what is kind of neat is the sculpt on him feels a little more uh, classical or rougher in the textures, whereas Yak Face is actually a little more polished. He has a little more skin texture. He's a little more refined. Uh, Let's talk a little about
2: the dancer. I think we'd been working on other things. And this was kind of a new addition. They said, Oh, now they, they need a bird girl. Uh, some some ideas for a bird girl. They want to put want, they want a bird girl for the movie. And like so people do. did different uh, different versions. And D- Dave Carson's, uh, I think, was a blue, it was there's a blue kind of a bird woman. Yeah. And uh uh and then I just thought of uh, I thought of her kind of as a like a bird, you know, dancer, and uh, rather than wings, I uh, I put uh, sort of winged flaps on her hips that I mm-hmm. thought maybe could uh, could be something that would just sort of uh, suggest a, a wing, but not really be a literal wing. Yeah, and uh, and that she was would be more of a dancer, and I was inspired by the uh, a national um uh, uh, National Geographic. Uh, article on, uh, the Aztecs and they used to make, uh, they would have dancers that would make costumes out of hummingbird feathers. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll put some feathers on her and that'll be kind of bird, -bird birdish, you know? So, uh, and I, I don't know what kind of feathers I used, but I did actually glue some feathers on the, on the model. And, um, and put some copper wire for, uh, bracelets and anklets, right. And the, um, and the, uh, they had, they had two tentacles on the head. And that was, uh, the idea was from, uh, from Phil Tippett. Um, he had done a, a woman, a bust of a woman with, with uh, the two tentacles. And I thought, well, I'll kind of carry that through and maybe they'll use, you know, that idea. Hmm. And, uh, and when we submitted it to, uh, to George, Phil says, well, let's put him, make them a pair. So this is the, uh, the detail and the, the full body. So, right.
1: Well, yours had uh, uh, this crazy bent back pose. It was you know <laughs> a lot of dynamics and energy in there, um, and uh, the the headtails are interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, naturally that would come from Phil, but it's uh, it it turns up on on Bib Fortuna, which was was Phil's over here. He oh, has huh. two headtails. And then Mm -hmm. this turns up, you know, just down the road in Star Wars in general, in the prequels and the Mandalorian, et cetera, it's, you know, that species is now a very big thing. Um, So it's neat to have had a hand in that. Um, We've been talking mostly about the maquettes at this point, but you weren't just in the shop for concept work. You were there to sculpt. And so you kept on going after that maquette phase. Let me ask you something broader, though. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at all those old pictures of the the Monster Studio, it's a lot of guys, and then oh, there's okay. usually just you and maybe Gene Lauren in mm-hmm. most of the pictures I see. And then, and then Jean is it was it Gene's dog that was hanging out all the time? Or? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <There> was, <Yeah. laughs> um, Bear, Bear was his name. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, um what was it like being just a couple of the women in that shop?
2: Uh I don't really feel like there was anything different. I was just uh, I was just a worker that happened to be female and uh, Jeannie was, you know, was um uh you know, very good at what she was doing. We just did did our jobs and and we really uh the guys were not um uh, uh did not treat us any differently. Phil's wife is an artist. So it's not, you know, for him it's, you know, that's just, you know, yeah, women, you know, artists, you women are artists, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, and mo- those guys were really, uh, uh, you know, it d- didn't really seem to matter to them uh, at all. Uh, now I've worked in, when I did other work on motion control stages and things, there were some uh, other different
1: experiences? That's great to hear though, because it also it sort of looks a little like a party sometimes. I don't know if that's just when they were shooting photos, but it 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 looks like a fun place to have been. Was
2: that your experience? Well, yes, yes, but it is uh but it's still work, you know. You're not it's not, I mean, yeah, like you said, when, with the photos, when people are taking pictures, we are we do relax and and Hamm- okay. hours. Uh, but there's a lot of work, there's deadlines to be met. There's uh, now, you know, uh, my, I was not under the kind of, the same kind of stress as Phil and some of the uh, engineers that were making the articulated um, sculptures. So I was, I was, mine was, again, it was like, just like with the, the rotoshop, it was low, kind of low level, entry level, mm-hmm. uh, making background figures. So mm-hmm. they didn't have to move, they didn't have to, you know, do anything. And, uh, um, but yeah Phil had to you know was the one that really had to uh, you know go to meetings with the producers and show st- show the the work and mm-hmm. make sure that people were uh, kind of oversee the work and make sure that it was being done the way he wanted it and the way he envisioned it. so he was he was under quite a bit of pressure. I'm sure so he, he held it I thought he handled it very very well he was still there were still moments where he was he had a great sense of humor and, and he and the guys would you know kind of they yeah you know, they'd be going through a box of something and they'd come up with a you know something from one of the past projects and they you know they'd uh, you know uh talk about it and and bring up the jokes and things because they had a lot of inside jokes from monster movies and
1: oh and yeah things. <laughs> they there is sort of a separate language that you sort of get working in creature stuff for a long enough time or there's like a shared history that those guys have just knowing all the old mm-hmm. South ocean movies and things as well. Um, and they would do,
2: sometimes do dialogue while they work just to you kind know, of <laughs> to kind of pass the time and you know and release yeah. the crap it was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Uh what else do you remember just about the time in general? Were were there any standout? you know, weird or zany moments, were there any unsung heroes, um, you know, uh, uh, times where things didn't seem they were gonna go well, times when things seemed they went, we gonna go great.
2: <laughs> oh, I was kind of removed from all that. I'm sure going on in the background, there were probably times when uh, the, the man, Phil and the guys probably wondered, oh, is this gonna get finished? Uh, uh, some of the uh, creatures that the elephant man, uh, Required a lot of rigging and engineering i think there was a lot going on in the back room so we had several different rooms and uh i I was just kind of removed from it and i just uh was under my headphones just listening to music and and working most of the time too but um there were some fun times though i think i I sent you the photo of the uh the the candlelight bean party
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, tell me about that so well first off if you're okay with us sharing that if that's your okay so I'll put that up in the video for people what how did that come about
2: well uh I just uh made up a big pot of uh um black beans in my crock pot at home and I lived about five minutes from the studio so um so it was uh, I think it was probably a Friday afternoon Mm -hmm. and uh so I just uh uh, went home and got everything that uh uh the bean black beans with hot sauce and sour cream and i brought it over i think we had some uh had some little paper cups and and uh things and i don't know where they found this candelabra and uh and candle candle holder and candles but the uh, steward and uh, kirk kind of made a little little uh uh, uh, an evening out of it. <laughs> yeah, Look,
1: you're <laughs> you're very romantic, of it was
2: very romantic. Yeah, it was, you know, everybody would get, we'd get really hungry by the end of the day, you know, and, and uh, so uh, it was just kind of nice to have something to eat, you know, and
1: yeah.
2: kind of keep working a little bit. So
1: did you guys, did you
2: take turns bringing in
1: snacks and food or was it, was everybody just, you know, it was potluck?
2: Pot uh, we actually did do a thing. Stuart Ziff was, is quite, a, quite the cook and he started to, uh, doing, he did lunch, brought in lunch for everybody one day. That was when the crew was had a small, were kind of a small group, and so Phil said, "Well, yeah, we should do this every Friday. Every Friday, should have, have lunch." So we kind of took turns, and people would would bring in food. The beans were not a part of that. That was just a different uh, a different event. But um, but uh, but yeah, we did. We would do on, on Fridays for for a while. We did do uh, do lunches and things. So. That's
1: fun. Was oh. it? It sounds like a little bit of a family atmosphere. You know, whenever you have that many people or, or that's kind of tight group of people under a degree of pressure to, together like that, do you feel that generates some familial bond?
2: I think so. It Yeah, it was it was. Uh, uh, and we were sequestered from the rest of ILM, too, for security. They didn't want anybody to see what we were doing. And so um, so we uh, we were kind of our own little they called it the mothership. Oh, I'm going over to the mothership, you know, for, <laughs> uh, for a meeting. and. Uh, um, so uh, we were out there on on our own and it was uh it was uh uh yeah you know, it was uh it grew too it started out with about seven or eight people i think we had close to 30 know, was it close to 30 maybe 20 more like 20 toward the end we had people that came in and did different things and uh and we making i think we had a uh vacuum former that they had made and so we were making helmets for the uh stormtroopers from for uh, wardrobe but i think wardrobe had a was in a building next door so they they would come over if they needed something and and uh to kind of we go uh they became part of the part of our group as well yeah
1: well it's it's one of those weird times where wardrobe and creatures cross over right because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're doing wardrobe but they need back forms they need rubber parts they need fur they you know so, so right. i definitely see some cross-pollination uh right. asking there
2: um, especially toward the end when when the creatures were getting finished like i think you know yak face has a i did the, the rubber mask but right. somebody else did a body and some uh mm. costume
1: some more yeah and he had a fluffy collar like mm-hmm. he's kind of cool let's let's talk about that life-sized yak face so this is now your maquette mm-hmm. and they uh, gave you then the opportunity to make him full size as well um, just just the head.
2: I just did the head. Okay,
1: and that's still a lot of work. So if anybody, if uh, if you haven't gotten to see the real head in person, you might picture it as like, oh, it's like a mask that someone would wear. Wear rather. Okay. It's gigantic. Well, that that's true. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. Um,
2: how much clay was that? <laughs> I, it was probably at least a hundred pounds of clay, and uh, and the the mask fits. So where I remember making eye holes. On the neck. Yeah. because uh, that's where how it would fit on a person. And, right. and uh they filled so The actual it with,
1: head is up over your head.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh um, and I remember taking cheesecloth to cover up the holes. I would kind of took some cheesecloth and then kind of painted a little bit so that it sort of disguised and you mm-hmm. couldn't real easily see the uh the neck holes. But uh it was they were filled with uh urethane foam, and then later on my job part of my job became to uh, cut away the inside foam so it would fit on somebody's head and and that, for, for for a lot of these these creatures so,
1: so you didn't even cast the head into there there was no core mold you just you filled it solid and then trimmed away used like a turkey cutter like a like a uh, electric uh, knife
2: to cut right it. An electric knife exactly they uh they would make a big kirk and uh let's see wesley seeds and kirk were the mold makers and so they would wheel the the uh, clay sculptures in and make the, this, uh, the, uh plaster molds. And then they, uh, we pour um, the uh, latex into there and then let it set up to a, to a thickness of about, about an eighth of an inch. And then they pour out the, uh, the rest of the, the latex. It was like a slush mold and then let that harden up. And then we pull it out. And then uh, I would, uh, part of my job too later became to cut the flashing off and kind of, uh, repair, any, repair any holes and things like that. And, and then, uh, get it, get it ready to paint, uh, yak face. I did, uh, I did paint yak face. Uh, I think Phil did a lot of the other painting. He was just very, a lot faster with it than, you know, than, than I was. Um, and that was an, in, that was an education too. Um, with the rubber, when you're painting on rubber, you have to use a rubber latex, uh, paint. Yeah. So it's, just, it's, uh, uh, thinned with, uh, Ben's, Benz uh, benzene, I guess, and yeah, uh, yeah a rubber, yeah, a rubber. those cement those rubber cement paints, rubber cement to the paint benzene, now. yeah, yeah. And, and then the uh, airbrushes would clog up quite a bit, so you oh, yeah, having to clean the airbrush. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was that was that was a real education too. I didn't, I was not aware of any of that process.
1: Do you feel so? For starters, I, I just I feel like you owe an apology to uh, to to Wesley and Kirk's backs.
2: Oh right. yes!
1: Make a plaster mold <laughs> of that gigantic sculpture.
2: Well, actually, once they make the mold, though, then they take it off of. They might might not have ever had to lift it. Uh oh, true. The yeah, they would
1: break it apart before it apart they would. Yeah, but even yeah, even just once you filled that thing with latex, I had to take mm-hmm. three buckets of latex just to oh, fill it oh. up. Um,
2: oh,
1: yeah, he's he's a he's a huge guy. I I do know there's a great shot of you putting hair into him. Oh. And, uh, Maybe that's Yak hair. Maybe that's horse hair. He's got very, very coarse hair. It's very, it's got a lot of stick-outedness, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word.
2: It um, might have been coarse hair. We had some horse tails and uh, um, a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of different types of hair and fur and things. Right.
1: That's really cool, though, because not a lot of people get to, on a movie, design a character, mm-hmm. sculpt the character, Paint the character, hair the character, you know, really take it all the way. Uh, save for molding, which is the hard part, let them do that. Uh, and you know, you you really got to take him to fruition. That's kind of a cool thing on its own.
2: Was yeah, that was. Um, uh, some of the others, uh, other people painted. Uh, I did uh, one called we called Brock Lobster that looked like a lobster. Yep. And Phil, Phil did the paint job on that. And then uh, low overhead was the little slug with the tentacle. Right,
1: out. it kind of looks like he's trying to lick C-3PO in one scene. That's um, a bizarre thing.
2: Yeah, and uh, and uh, I think Phil probably painted that one as well. Gotcha. And uh, he was he's was just he was so fast with all of these because he'd yeah. done it for so long. Uh, let's see. Um, and Toothface was another one that I that I yeah. made. I think I put hair on him too, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe maybe somebody else did. I, um, did
1: mm-hmm. you do the sculpt on Toothface or just work on? Yes. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And that yeah. Was, so that one was Chris Wayless. Right. Uh, we found out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a yeah. cool design. He said he would base it on some kind of a warthog or something like that. But he's also really big. Were you intentionally sculpting gigantic to try and get your stuff to show up in the movie? Everybody else had small heads and <laughs> uh,
2: no, that was what they wanted. Because I'd say, Well, how big do you want this? And they, you know, and I, re- I remember having a discussion with Joe Johnson about uh, low overhead. I said, Well, how big is this? He says, Oh, you know, kind of dog size. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that could mean a lot of things. Yeah. yeah so Where's uh, Bear, we have to measure him. Oh yeah. yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know. he was scale reference is there anything thinking back on that time that you feel was the biggest challenge for you personally
2: uh i think just moving into just uh since it was a new environment and uh new a lot of new processes and that that sort of thing uh, and it was a very different um i was used to being in the animation department with the you know cameras and 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 uh the uh uh they have the, the animators have their own kind of inside jokes and, uh, sound effects and, right. <laughs> and dialogue, <laughs> uh, too. So there's, there's a, the, that, that, you know, that, and then going into the, the, you know, the creature shop with the, the release, the crack, you know, the yeah crack. In it. So
1: basically trying to understand one crazy language and then moving to another place with a different crazy language different
2: personality, really different personalities too, in mm-hmm. different processes. And, uh, and, uh, that was, that was, uh, yeah, I kind of felt a little bit like a fish out of water, uh, but it was, uh, but it was, uh, it, it was very interesting, very interesting to be a fly on the wall and kind of watch, watch it all going on.
1: There's not a lot of times in history where you've had a movie with that many different monsters. You mm-hmm. know, you get movies where there's, oh, there's a lot of zombies or there's, oh, there's a lot of Morlocks or there's a lot of this or that. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a production line of a whole bunch of the same, you know, even gremlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you guys had just this huge, huge variety of monsters. And some of them, there'd be two or three of, and some of them, there was just one. And some were fabricated and some were sculpted and some were molded and some, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it must have been, I mean, I could see where that would be an interesting environment to be in. And I, I don't, you know, it's, it's one of those rare magical things to have been a part of. That just doesn't happen. And that's, that's kind of cool, that's even true. on its own.
2: That's true. Yeah, the, and then things the, then these things are uh, after they're finished, they're sort of laying around the the uh studio yeah. too. And and they had a there was one that was sort of a they had a, a skeleton uh from some oh. something. Yeah he was, he was around um hanging on around the water cooler. <laughs> so there was just you know, it was just like it's kind of like you know, working in a you know haunted house. <laughs>
1: right. I like that. I approve. A yeah. House, yeah. Fun
2: yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I, yeah, I think that wound up. There's a character called Amana Man who on set he's holding a dead body. It's like a skeleton with some some desiccated on it and stuff. So that must have been that
2: must have been from that that must
1: have been his skeleton. Um, I don't know whether that was like a snack, like he's holding on to, or or like a, a you know, a bounty or a victim. Who knows? There, uh, we talked about rock lobster you built the full size for. Um, was that a sculpt and mold, or was that more fabrication, or is that a bit of both?
2: Oh, rock lobster was just—he was all clay and then sculpted mold, right? Okay. Oh, and,
1: and that oh, was based on uh, Ken oh, Ross' been right, uh, right sketch, yeah. or, well, mm-hmm. the maquette mm-hmm. on a real rock. <laughs>
2: and Uber uh, was a little elephant Hoover. guy. That's who it was. yes. Yeah. that was a Dave Carson uh, design, yes. I believe. And he—that uh, was uh, was fabricated out of the black foam and then covered with uh, skin. And the skins were. They brought over the the uh, molds from the baby dragons, and we use that quite a bit. We brush in the uh, from dragon the glove from dragon slayer. We brush in the the glove latex and make a make skin, and we can cover cover things with that skin. That's
1: I've I've heard people talk about that process, and it's it is um yeah the black scott foam you can mm-hmm. kind of shape it however you want you're laying your skin over top of that i'm sure then mm-hmm. some cotton and latex filling in the gaps and things like that and oh, you know yeah. Um, yeah. lots of stippling mm-hmm. um it's fun and it allows you to do bigger stuff than you would necessarily do in mold and cast and it allows you i guess it's a it's a much faster process because you don't have right. clay then mold then cast then paint it's just fabricate then paint and then go
2: and then um, and then they move, they, they're more flexible too. So yeah, true, true. true. he was just uh basically a you know, something you put your arm in. I think I had a uh, uh put a wooden rod in there to to grab onto and his his head would just turn. He was again, he was not articulated. He didn't didn't his mouth didn't move or anything, but his head could move. And, and I don't
1: was, know, I it. know I don't think he made the final cut.
2: Uh-huh. I know
1: the puppets still exist, the full size and the maquette. Mm-hmm. And at some point. And no one seems to know when the puppet got a wig. Um, so like, you know, oh. you, you had done him just as the maquette was, but some t- somewhere he got this this beige shaggy wig on him um, oh. and he's still, he's sitting in the archives with that wig and no one seems to know why. It was probably, hmm. you know, Phil or one of those guys late at night thought it was funny, put a wig on him. And now 40 years later, it's just sitting there.
2: He comes from um, the, <laughs> the <yeah>.
1: archive. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, well, and at that point, now it's in the archives, so everybody wants to preserve it exactly as it is. You know, it becomes a, a an artifact. Um, how does it feel? You know, uh, how does it feel to have your work be considered an artifact to people?
2: It's it's kind of mind blowing, really. I've never really. Uh, 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 it's it's very gratifying that people remember this forty years. You know, forty years after the movie. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to, hard to believe it's, it's, uh, um, uh, I knew that it was, I, I think for me personally, I just, I mean, I realized that Star Wars was real popular, was popular and everything, but I just didn't realize how big it was. And I'm still amazed when I watch TV shows and they make references to Star, Star yeah. Wars. And I think I was telling you that, uh, I was watching Seth Meyers the other night and he and, uh, um, was it, um. Pedro, uh,
1: uh, uh, Pascal,
2: Pascal, yes. they, they said that Jedi was their favorite movie. And of course they love the Ewoks too. So okay. they, everybody loves, loves the Ewoks.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they didn't mention Yak Face. Come on, That's Seth Meyers. Face,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's amazing that you get people that are now doing the new versions of Star Wars, still talking about the movie you worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, there's even another level that is the collectors who look at the work you did and say, "You know that ins- that that's inspiring to me. That's that brings me joy. I want to bring a copy of that into my home and into my collection." Mm-hmm. Um, the, and and obviously it's the same for the people with the rare Yak Face action figure. Um, yeah, I, I, is that I assume that's also pretty gratifying to to know.
2: Right, um, and also I guess because um, when uh, so the movie came out forty years ago, so a lot of the kids people were in their you know preteen, yeah. you know eight, yeah. eight, eight to ten years yeah. old, or between six and twelve years old, and right. so now they're grown ups and they yeah. have the disposable income right. uh, to, and you want to bring back your childhood. I think I was telling you that I had uh, I had collected some. Uh, the vintage Barbie and Ken's or the, the oh, reproductions, yeah. reproductions of Barbie and Ken from my Barbie and Ken from 1962. And uh-huh. it does, it just really does. It's just, uh, when I look at them, I just, I feel like I'm nine years old again. It's just, yeah. I, I'm, it's it's Christmas and I'm nine years old. And, I mean, and it's just this warm feeling that kind of right. flows through you when you look at those things. So maybe and that's that's of, it. Sorry, the,
1: I didn't mean to yeah, interrupt no, you there. no. So. no. But, and and now you're giving people that feeling with your work and guess, it, you know um, and I, I mean you, you are with you are. the robots and action figures everywhere like i get it that's you know um but yeah there is something magical about that like that mm-hmm. thing from your childhood and having it in front of you or mm-hmm. in the case of these maquettes having that the story of the thing from your childhood mm-hmm. on top mm-hmm. of it the, the history of it the artifact nature where it's not just another statue or a, or a toy. It's actually mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is like, this is history. This is part of the production. This is part of how this came to be. Um, uh, I have two questions left. Okay. One, um, do you think miniatures puppets and models still have a place in film today?
2: I would say yes. Um, uh, because, um, I mean, I, I, I um, the CG is, is wonderful. You can do so many things with it, but you don't need it for everything. And I would think as a director, you might be, have, be able to have if, if you didn't need for the, the uh, creature to fly or do something, you know, that you couldn't do on stage, it's easier to, to light it and, and direct it uh, if it's really there. And and the actors and especially with the lighting and things too, rather than having to go through the uh, the whole process of compo- creating a digital model and compositing it in and, and telling your actors, oh, it's going to be over here and uh, you know here talk to talk to the talk to the balloon, you know, yeah, talk
1: right? to the tennis <laughs> ball, ball, ball.
2: ball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, I, I would think that yes, that they, that they do, and also they're just uh, it, it depends on it depends on the need what you, what you need it to do.
1: Mm. Uh, I I agree with all of that Uh, I don't think it'll ever go away I think at some point you know yeah the the computer stuff is great and it's getting better and better but there's always something special about having a a big monster in front of you um the last one you said that you used your headphones to tune out some of the craziness around you during this uh during this (laughs) session what music were you playing? (laughs)
2: mostly dire straits uh they Ooh. had their they had the first three three albums out and then and i love uh tom petty which i still oh, listen to and i was kind of starting to explore uh rockabilly so there was um johnny Burnett, uh, the blasters um, eddie cochran uh and then some folk music tim buckley was has always been a favorite and uh but yeah a lot of a lot of dire straits though i just i go. just really, it's just uh you know uh, his his music martin offalo's music is is um just really uh, so elegant. It's just really yeah. amazing. His sound yeah. movie soundtracks too. Uh, I think later on, uh, I guess Local Hero came out later on. It was just a really beautiful soundtrack.
1: That's excellent. I uh, I love his stuff as well. And I think that's, uh, it's always fascinating to be what, you know, music to make monsters by what is, what is that
2: now now the other guys would listen to movie soundtracks quite a bit so uh and that was that was a really edu- an education for me too dave carson uh and phil both had quite a collection of of that and there was you know bernard herman and uh oh yeah uh uh and um uh, who did i forget who did psycho that was bernard herman oh um well and Dave Carson mentioned that that influenced uh um George Martin Win the Beatles for um uh Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, so yeah. so then we talked so I learned a lot about music as well as uh monsters mm-hmm. and monster movies. It was it was the whole thing was was quite an education. Yeah. Well.
1: I, it, it sounds like it, it sounds like a very special time. Uh, it's kind of amazing that that's 40 years ago now. Yes, uh, yes. You must, you were obviously very, very young when it happened. I was much, I was very young too. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just, I'm so grateful that after all this time you still have all those great memories of it that you have been so willing to share your time and memories oh. with us. And wow. uh, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this edition. Um, if anybody is watching, please uh, look Judy up on IMDB and on the Star Trek Wiki and all of that fun stuff. There's so much that she did that we didn't even get to talk about. Maybe we'll do this again sometime and talk more about oh, all of that oh, stuff.. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and in people. the meantime, if you're watching this on on YouTube, please do the like and subscribe thing and go to Regal Robots page and sign up for our mailing list. And check out the act Face Maquette, which will probably be out by the time this is up, and uh maybe bring a little bit of Judy's work into your home. Um oh, for uh myself from Regal Robot, Tom Spina, and for Judy, uh thank you all for watching. Judy, once again, thank you so much for joining oh, us.
2: Thank you. This. Thank you, Tom, and then thank you, audience, for uh for for listening in. It was uh it's just uh this has been a really fun chat. I've really enjoyed this a lot.
1: So thanks everybody, have a good day.
2: Sorry.